2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, really um, just these, these, these verses are, are, are quite uh, challenging. Oh, I think they're challenging anyway. Uh, hopefully you find them challenging. But just the, 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 the selfish or the selflessness of uh, the Apostle Paul as he wrote 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians was written to a place where, you know, 1 Corinthians, there was a lot of um, problems in the church. And, uh, you know, I think if the church would have just got rid of the people, then the problems would have gone. Instead, they try to fix them. And um, so, but, uh, th- so this is a bit of a response to it, but uh, uh, Paul's just going through some of the things that uh, he felt as a person and how he wanted to serve God. And, and uh, really just, again, he's just really preaching the heartbeat of Jesus. And a couple of things he says there before we get into verse 6 is uh, he, he begs people to partner with God, begs them knowing that that's the best thing for their life. He, uh, then he says that uh, he'll, he'll live in, in such a way, he'll live his life that he will not stumble anyone, that he will live his life so that others would somehow get the blessings of God. And if he was going to somehow uh, be in a place where they would stumble and, and, and that would uh, detract them or retract them from uh, the intimacy that they could have with God, then and he wasn't going to go to that place. But his, his job was that he would not stumble someone in, into furthering their, their growth with God or furthering their intimacy. And then he says, in, in, uh, in everything we do, we are true ministers of God. And, and I read those verses, and, and they challenge me so much uh, about how we're to live our lives, how we're to, to, to really uh, uh, put ourselves out there, that we're not going to stumble uh, our brothers and sisters, we're not going to stumble anyone. To the Jew, he became a Jew. Uh, you know, to the poor, he became poor. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to the rich he becomes rich if you're not rich, you know. Um, but but, but he, he did it in such a way that he was all things to all men so that he could win some. That's a real challenge. And he says that I, I'd do anything so that I'm a true minister of the gospel. But then he goes on to, to, to do so much more than that. He goes on to say, and you know what? I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove myself. I'm not just going to not stumble someone. I'm not just going to be a true minister. I'm actually going to prove it. It's like he, he, he was going to have ID that would, would, would clarify this is who I am. You know, it was interesting this last time going to New Zealand because for the first time as we travelled in a group to New Zealand, um, I was counting the passports and... Um, and uh, just making sure, you know, I mean, because you can, you know, going to New Zealand's easy. You don't need anything, really. As long as you've got the passports in your hand, you can forget the hair dryers, you can forget the shampoo, you can forget anything else. It doesn't matter. As long as the passports are in the hand, you can walk up to the counter and they'll have your ticket if you pay. And, uh, but, but anyway, we had, and I'm just going through the, um, the passports and uh, there's one that really stands out nowadays. And, and that says, in the mix of these Kiwi passports, there's an Aussie passport. And uh, I'm like, whoa, have <laughs> we got an Aussie passport amongst us? And uh, so, you know, I just open it up and there's Angie's face. It's all different from all of us now that she's got an Aussie passport. And, and so, um, you know, and so, you know, then I get to the airport and think, oh, okay, well, are they going to have that special line for Aussies? You know, is there a special line? And, but they, for, they, they had the one where the Kiwis and Aussies this side. And, but there was proof, ID, that she truly is Australian now. Well, Physically, anyway, I'm not sure on heart, but um, we'll see this year when it comes to the All Blacks test. But we'll see what happens. 
But, but there's, there's something about, I don't know, ID that makes you, I don't know, feel powerful? I don't know, when you, you know, like you give the, the, the passport to the um, customs man and, you know, you're feeling inside, you know, what you got? What you got? Let me through, you know? And uh, funny though, Andrew's the only one that they pulled up and searched, you know? They, they let me go through and, and, and my kids and, and uh, they pulled Andrew's side and they, they searched it. We had to wait. Uh, our, <laughs> you got an Aussie passport, mate. Um, <laughs> they let the Kiwi through. And, um, and so, but you, I don't know, you, you, I, I get a sense of real power. I'm not sure what it is when I'm going through with my ID, you know what I mean? You know, when, when a cop pulls me up, you know, and he goes, you got your license here? Yeah, well, here you go, mate, what you got? What you got? I got my ID, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, I feel like saying to the cop, you know, when the cops ask you, they go, what's your name? You go, read, read the ID, buddy, read it. <laughs> Haven't done that yet, but that's what I feel like saying, you know? You know, read the ID, mate, I don't need to answer any questions, you know? Uh, you know, I, I kind of think of what they sound. You may remain silent, you know, if you want a lawyer to talk for you, then, you know, so when the cop pulls me up, you know, read the ID, I'm not going to talk, you just read it, mate. I want my lawyer. But, but it gives you, a, 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 I don't know, a real sense of, of kind of like power. You know, you might not feel like that, but I kind of feel like that anyway. I don't know, it make, makes me feel important or what it does. Uh, I know when I was, um, before I came to faith anyway, and, and uh, I was going to pubs when I was 15, 16, and, um, you know, the, the cops would come into the pub and you'd be like, oh, no. There'd be a real sense of, I am a small man here, I cannot get caught. But once you're over 18, once you t- that day you turned 18, you just, you're waiting for them to tap you on the shoulder, you know, because you know you've got this little card that says, hey, I, I've, I've, got, I've got proof of my identity. I can prove it. And, and the scriptures here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he wanted to prove, his, it's, it's like he had this authority and he wanted to prove his identity. And Jesus w- spoke about that all through the Gospels, that we and, and the disciples, he wanted them to prove their identity. He spoke about it in so many different places. He says, how will the world know that you are my disciples? Proof. You've got to give them proof by your love one for another. You know, then he says to Peter, you know, Peter, do you really love me? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Proof, Peter, come on. Get rid of the talk. Give me some proof. Feed my sheep, care for my sheep. Three times Jesus challenged them. I'm wanting you to prove what you think you are. Show me some ID. In the Old Testament, you know, the prophets, if they were to prove that they were prophets, if they proved themselves wrong with a word that was very incorrect, oh, got it wrong, stoned to death. That's a downer. You know? Oh, we, 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 today we go, oh, prophet. Yeah, you get it wrong, buddy, you're gone. No, we don't do that. We show a bit more grace in this day and age. But I, I kind of think, well, we should go back to the Old Testament. That really start testing people's words. You know? I wonder if they'd give out words so freely. Then what they did in the Old Testament where maybe if that was a wrong word, then maybe they'd get stoned to death. There was proof, you see. God wanted to make sure that a man could prove himself. He wanted to show that, hey, if you're the real deal, there's ID that comes with this. And Paul says, I'm going to prove myself. The scriptures say that when you bear much fruit, that is a sign, that is a proof that you are truly my disciples. When you bear much fruit, that is a good sign that you are a true 
disciple. John chapter 15. So there's all this proof. The Word of God says that a good tree will bear good fruit. A bad tree shows its ID. It proves itself. It will bear bad fruit. And so, so Jesus has all these, these, these signs, all these, these proofs to clarify what it is that a person is truly born into the kingdom of heaven. And Paul goes to that place where he says, you know what, I'm not going to stumble someone. I'm going to be a true minister of the gospel and I'm begging you, I'm pleading you to do the same. He said, but more than that, I want you to prove it and I'm going to prove it myself. I'm going to tell you how I proved truly that I was a true minister of the gospel. And the challenge comes back to us all the time that are we proven in our true identity with Jesus? Not merely by our words, but Paul goes on to say that I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to prove myself one in power. I'm going to prove myself in what I preach and I'm going to prove myself in what I practice. And he says here in in chapter 6, verse 6, he says, We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us. And by our sincere love, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and in the left hand for defense. He proved himself with power, that the Holy Spirit was working within him, that the Holy Spirit was ministering with his words and he was seeing fruit from his life. That he said he was working within the framework, not just in word only, but in power. The Spirit of God was working. He was believing God to do more with God's wisdom that he was speaking and not his own. Do we test each other's Speech and do we test each other's words? Do we test each other's power? Because what we speak is what we speak God's wisdom or our own? Because it's God's word that when it goes out, that is the one that will bear fruit, not our words, not our, our philosophies, not our ideas. But he says that I proved myself because the Holy Spirit was working within me and the Holy Spirit was helping me speak and he was relying on God's words, God's power to do the work. We need to believe that when we speak the word of God, it will do a work. It will do a work. With Brett standing up here this morning and he's in the depth of like some kind of like, you know, water down there trying to fish. And, and, and God's word is ministering to his heart. Now, we've never sung that song at Bridgewater. I don't think we have, have we? No. no, never. Jock knows. He knows that song. Okay. We've never sung that song. But that song, which is, it's, it's kind of full of God. You know what I mean? I know the song. I think I know it. I can remember it anyway. And, and so, but, but that song was ministered to him a long time ago. It's never been sung here. But yet that word comes back to infect him as he's trying to have a nice little fishing trip. And he's in the depths of of some water. See, God's word will accomplish what it's got to accomplish. And here, Paul says, one of the proofs of my ministry, one of the ways that you prove your ID is that when you speak, you speak under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You speak in power. And your fruit of your life, what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your life, 
is going to be is going to be analyzed. It's going to be subject to some form of of everyone thinking, is this your word or is this God's word? Because God's word never, ever returns void. It always accomplishes that, what it's sent out to do. And so he says it proves itself. It will do a work somewhere. You know, know, the craziest thing is I'll get down from preaching on a Sunday every now and then, and and just in conversation, I'll, I'll go and I'll talk to someone, and they'll share a piece of scripture with me or just one word, and that word will just, it will just bug me to death for the whole week. And I'm thinking, man, I just spoke for like, you know, 10 minutes, you know? Maybe 40, maybe 50. You know, I was looking on the podcast the other day and I'm going, 45 minutes? Do I speak that long? 52? Do I speak that long? Anyway, um, maybe that's why I speak so long. But anyway, we're going, and I'll get down and I've just, sp- I've just preached the word of God. You think you'd be in some form of, whoo, I'm going to take that out and I'm going to use that in my life for the whole week. And someone will say something, just one word, two words. They'll, they'll share something God's really touched their life with this week. And, you know, with the, the, the times that I would go out and for the rest of the week, it's not my word that I've spoken that has ministered to me. It's someone else's word. It's nuts, man. I'm telling you, it's nuts. And I think, well, if I get up and speak that message, that person might be thinking I'm stealing their thoughts. Because God has used that word in season as the Spirit of God has moved and they've used that word in season to speak right into my heart. See, God proves himself when the Spirit of God works in his words. He says, Paul says there, that, that I, my, proof of my ID is that I move in power, not in myself, but I move, I move and preach. He says he preaches Faithfully, with the truth, faithfully. How, how do we speak and preach faithfully? What is it to preach faithfully? It's not to get up here every Sunday morning or Sunday night and to say, wow, I've preached faithfully because I did 40 minutes or 50 minutes. Or, no, but he's saying that every opportunity he gets, he faithfully wants to share Christ with someone, the truth, faithfully that he has no lack of doubt. He has a, just a, a mighty faith that he's going to speak this time at every season, at every opportunity when he doesn't even feel like speaking. He faithfully speaks. He proves himself by faithfully speaking. Well, wouldn't it be good that we would speak the gospel every time we felt like speaking? Every time that we, well, this feels like the right opportunity right now. But no, God says that we could faithfully preach. Paul says that he would prove himself by faithfully preaching. Nothing's going to stop him. Even if he doesn't feel good, he's going to preach. Even if he doesn't feel like it's the right opportunity, he's going to preach. Even if he feels like he's waiting for the opportunity to open, he's going to preach. No, he's waiting because he's saying, I'm going to faithfully preach because the Holy Spirit is working in me and God wants to work. So I'm just going to faithfully preach and God is the one that's going to do the work. Even if I don't feel like it, even if I don't feel comfortable, even if I, even if I don't like the person, I'm going to faithfully preach the truth. And I like it here because, one, he's making a, a, a conscious decision that this is how I'm going to prove my Christianity. I'm going to prove it 
by what I say. And when I speak, I'm going to preach. When I speak, the Spirit of God is going to work. I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak. It must be spoken. The Word of God must be spoken. You can't back down from that. The thing is, do you want to prove your Christianity? You, I say this, do I want, to, I want to see if God works here. You know what I mean? You're in amongst a dead bunch of people or something like that, and you go, well, I want to see if God works here. What will he say? What will he do? Do we go out to prove God's right and, and watch him work? So he says that he's going to faithfully always, even when there's a place, I think usually when there's a place of discomfort, it's usually the good time where God's saying, this will be a good chance for you to speak out of season. This would be a good chance for you to try and speak and let me work because you're in a place of discomfort. You're in a place that you don't feel right. And so maybe now. So for him, it's his idea speaks for itself. It's like I say to the cop here, you read my idea. I don't have to tell you, you read it. It speaks for itself. Because at every opportunity, faithfully, preaches the truth. He says he proves himself by his practice, purity. He doesn't make a habit of sinning. He doesn't make a habit of sinning. He's pretty, pretty clear on the point that sin, yeah, could be existent every now and then and could come up and get you and, and Satan could tempt you and you, you could fall, but there's not a habit of sinning. There's a consistent place of repentance. There's a consistent place of you coming to God and wanting to deal with maybe the sin that comes up. You're not looking to sin, but you're looking to be pure before God. So, so Paul says, I, I prove myself by my purity. My desire is not to sin. I don't make a habit of it. And when it happens, I'm quick to fall onto my knees. I'm quick to confess with my mouth and to repent of my ways, to turn from my ways and to let God change me. I'm going to prove myself by my purity, that sin is not going to be a part of my life. True religion is those that can control your tongue. Sin is not purely an external. The Word of God says that sin, your evil desires and thoughts start from the inward man. And when those thoughts dwell up within you, when they start coming up within, you are going to deal with it. You are not going to want to have a habit of, of sinning, but you're going to want to have a desire to get rid of it and to deal with it right there and then. He says, this is how I prove my Christianity. By my purity, by my patience, I prove my Christianity. Your patience. Why is it that we need patience? I'll tell you why we need patience. Because too many fall away. And the question I always ask myself, and we can debate this all day long, and some of us do, is did they really get it? I look at the scriptures where the scriptures say, and those that endure, those that are patient, those that endure to the end will be saved. <laughs> oh, what about those that weren't patient? You make that decision. You come to that theological construct in your own mind. I look at those that weren't patient sometimes in the scriptures and God kind of like casts them away. And so he says, I'm going to prove myself by my patience. Because those that endure till the end will be saved. And so 
I let the Spirit of God work. And in all places, in all circumstances, in all situations, I learn what it is to be content in whatever situation I'm in. And I do all things to the glory of God. I have patience. I want to prove myself. So I'm going to be patiently enduring right to the end. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have purity in my life where I sin, I'm going to confess it. I'm going to have purity in my life. When I sin, I'm not going to make it a habit. I'm going to try and move away from it. My desire deep down is to be pure before God. My desire is not to run to sin, but my desire is to run away from sin. To run as fast as I can. My desire is to be patient. My desire is to be pure. My desire is to be kind. He says there, I'm going to prove myself by my kindness and my sincere love. Sincere love. Love that actually is not just about you and how you feel and how you get on with that person, but love that would say, you know what? Jesus loves me so I can love you too. I don't know if I can... You know, maybe it's just me. You know how we go, you know, I don't know if I can love that person because they're not like me. I don't know, because we think differently. I don't know if I can love that person because we're so different. We're not compatible. We're not, we're not you know, we don't have the same interests. She's so different than me. He's so kind of different than me. Yeah, Amen. Sincere love we're looking for, not your love. We're looking for kindness, God's kindness, God's love. If God can reach them, you can reach them. See, that's the power of the Spirit of God working in you. We, we, we don't kind of categorize, well, these are the ones I can work with. The, I can't work with those ones because we're just not compatible. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny, I, kind of, I noticed an interesting observation the other day while I was in the high school, you know what I mean, in one of the high schools. I noticed that these three guys that were getting on real cool, you know, they're getting on together real happy, just kind of like touching base with each other. And there was one thing that identified them all with each other. They all had long hair and they had let it go, you know what I mean? So they had the big fluffy hair down here. They were in high school, I think they were about year nine and ten, and, 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 but they all had long hair. And I thought, I bet you... The only reason why they get on is because they all have long hair. That's the only reason. They kind of feel like, oh, this is my group because we have long hair. Felt like going in again, hey, can I have your buddy group? It's like cool group, huh? Or do I have to let my hair down to feel accepted in your group? He says, I prove myself by my sincere love and my kindness. To each other, and I believe that a good word in season is that you've shown real love when you've reached someone that's not like you. You've shown real love when you've reached someone that's totally different than you. That's real love. The scriptures say, Jesus says it love is not your neighbors and not your friends and your relatives. That's not real love. Jesus says, love goes beyond that. Kindness, compassion, and care goes beyond that. See, that that is why you need the Holy Spirit, amen? Because you can't do that. I know that. 
I'm, I'm preaching because some of you tell me that, oh, I'm just not compatible with them. Amen. Nor am I. I need God. I need his wisdom. And if I'm going to faithfully preach, I'm going to faithfully preach to those that are different than me and to those that like me and to those that don't like me. I'm going to prove my ID. I want to show my, my true stripes in, in that area. So, of course, we're not going to click. But he says that I'm going to prove myself, though. He, he, I like it because Paul, he's on like a challenge. You know what I mean? He, he's, 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 you know, people, some people say, well, you know, I don't have to do that. No, you don't have to do it. But if you feel like you have to do it, then you need the Spirit of God. You need God's grace to show you that you can do it. You need to open your eyes to realize that God wants to do a greater work in you than he's already done. You need to just open your eyes and give a little bit more, give you all of your soul to realize that God's grace can carry you through to show you that you can reach someone that's not like you. You can faithfully speak his words and God's word will work. You can do that. You can show that kindness. He says that in my right hand, I'm fighting. And in my left hand, I'm fighting. He says, at every given point, I'm somehow always in the battle. He says there in verse 7, he says, God's power is working with us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. He's always, something's always happening. He's got his right hand, a position of power and authority maybe because Jesus was seated at the right hand of God. The authority is given in the right hand and he's fighting for righteousness. Maybe the breastplate of righteousness which is, is showing him and, and it's protecting his heart but it's also showing him that, he, that, that what the righteousness of God is, how he should live his life right. And so on one hand, on his right hand, he's standing for righteousness, for God's way, a place of authority, laying down God's word, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, moving forward and seeing God's love and God's kindness at work, letting God purify his heart and his soul, because not only has he got God's authority in his right hand, he's got the breastplate of righteousness protecting his heart and revealing God's heart to him. That way of living right before God, letting God convict him of what is right, letting the Spirit of God convict him of what is right. So he's walking in one hand with authority and in the other hand, he's defending himself. But always, somehow, some way, He's utilizing the tools of God to live his life. Both hands are at work. His heart is being protected. His life is being challenged. He's seeing every opportunity that he gets because he's on the right hand, got one weapon, and on the left hand, he's defending himself. Why is it some of us are always in defense mode? Maybe it's because we're not with the right hand in attack mode. We're not killing off the enemies that are getting to our lives. We're letting those things. We, you know, the right hand is a place where the weapon is one of righteousness, showing you the way forward, 
revealing who God is, revealing what God wants. This is a place of attack. Some of us are always like, always on the defense. We always feel like we're attacked and we're going, get away, we get away, get away. And we're never moving forward. Sin is always encompassing our life because we're not cutting it out and we don't know what God's righteousness is. The tools are there to attack. And Jesus says that we must attack and then the gates of hell will not prevail. He will win. Who's stronger? Jesus, because he won the victory, or Satan, because Jesus crushed him? We know who's stronger. We know it in theory and we read it in theory, but do we know it in experience? The grace is there for you to be empowered. And your right hand is one of authority. And Jesus sits there at the right hand of the Father interceding for you so that the Spirit of God, when it intercedes with you, you have the blessed breastplate of righteousness and you understand all of what God wants. All. And it should feed your heart. It should feed your soul. It should feed your mind every minute of the day. You know, one of the funniest things when you come to preach is that when you're up here on a Sunday and you think, okay, now I've got everything I'm thinking about during the week, how do I formulate one of those things to actually make some kind of sense? Because your mind and your soul should be at every given opportunity gaining ground on the righteousness of God. You should be understanding what is right for your life because it's right for what God wants for your life. Don't always be on the defense with your left hand. You shouldn't have to do that. I believe that when you're always attacking and going forward, the left hand only has to get used because there's those side ones that come from the side and you didn't see it. You didn't really predict it. But some of us are so having to defend all the time. We're always defending And we're not willing to step out with our right hand and move in faith and move in patience and move in kindness and move in purity. We're not willing to step out with authority. So we're always standing back and we're brushing. Oh, I got shot today. Again? Yeah. Oh, I got hit in the leg. I got hit with my attitude. I got hit with my tongue. Oh, no. There was sexual immorality again. Every time, it seems like we're always getting hit. It's because we're not moving forward. We're not taking the authority that is ours there to claim where we can Go forward and we can attack and we can have the victory that Jesus gives us in Romans chapter 7 right there at the end. Don't tell me what verse, I I don't know what it is. You can read it. 45, 35, 25. There you go, verse 25. Get it, put it on your wall and let it saturate your soul so it goes into your hand and it's part of the breastplate of righteousness for you every day. Proof of identity to see that it's the real deal. You know what I want to see? I want to see a CV. You know, when people bring a CV to you of all they can do, I want to see one that's the real deal. You know? I've done the odd CV, not for myself, just to help people out. And I go, okay, who are you? Okay, let's tweak it up a bit. (laughs) 
And I'm like, hold on, is that really them? Who, who are you really? Who is God really? That's the question you should be asking yourself is, is if, if you want the proof of identity, that your card, your CV says, this is the righteousness of God. And we'd be prepared to put that CV together. It says, this is God's character. This is God's way. This is how God says it's right. This is what God wants. And, and we'd be to say, here's my CV. And people would look and go, whoa, that, that's pretty heavy. That's pretty high standard. Yeah, that's my CV. I'm going to prove who I've got. I'm going to prove who I am. I'm going to prove it. Paul says, I'm not just going to stumble you. I'm going to withhold from stumbling you. He says, I'm going to be a true minister, but I'm going to prove it. I'm going to bring out the cards, man. I'm going to bring out the ID. I'm going to bring out the patience. I'm going to bring out the kindness. I'm going to bring out the purity. I'm going to bring out the power. Now he's starting to really scare us. He says, now I'm going to bring out the faithfulness and I'm going to speak it at every opportunity I get. Even when people speak against me, I'm going to speak it. Even when people are going to try to put me in jail, I'm going to speak it. None of us are being put in jail yet. I know anyone here that's been put in jail. I know a couple of people have been put on report here for speaking the words of Christ, but none of us have been thrown in jail. None of us have been hung. We have an authority that we need to move forward on, a proof of identity. For some of us that aren't 18 yet, you wait till you get that big 18 card. You know what I mean? You wait till you get that card that, you know, you pull out and you go, I'm 18. What does that mean? I don't know. It doesn't mean nothing. Well, it means you can buy alcohol. No, we don't want to do that. Okay? But for some reason, God says, there's ID and you've got to prove you're a true disciple or your fruit. Good fruit or bad fruit? True disciple, you show. Or your love, one for another. By the way, you feed the sheep. You're a true disciple. Are you feeding sheep? Are you feeding those that are searching for God? Are you feeding those that have come into the kingdom? Are you speaking words into their life? Are you building them up and encouraging them? Are you really a true sheep? Well, feed the sheep. Are you really a true part of God's kingdom and have you got the idea? Well, bear some fruit. Don't just sit there, but make sure you bear some fruit. I want ID. The next time you walk through customs, you, you wait, you, you, you ask yourself, I might feel powerful with this passport. You know, come on, search me all you want. Search me. What have we got? What have you got? I don't know. It's just a real funny feeling, isn't it? You know, you're just, you're waiting for them to try and get something on you. But you know you're free in Christ. You know that you have the power of his word. You know that you have the ID that proves who you are. And, and if, you've, if you've laxed on that, then God's grace and God's mercy is big enough for you to confess it and go forward. If you've laxed on that, then it's your chance to say, you know what, I haven't proven myself. The word of God says, let a man prove himself first. I haven't proven myself. I've proven nothing. But if you need ID, then today's the time where you can just say, this is it. 
I'm going to ask God for patience. I'm going to ask God for kindness. I'm going to ask God for understanding. I'm going to ask God for power. I'm going to ask God for sincere love. And I'm going to attack with my right hand. And I'm going to defend when I have to with my left hand. Prove yourself. You have to. It's no use just saying, here I am, I'm a Christian. Are you? How? How will we know that you are truly his disciple? You can say whatever you want. But Paul says, you know what? I'm not just going to say this. I'm actually going to prove it. I'm going to let you see it. And that's our challenge. Are you prepared to prove it? Let's pray. I want you to just just ask yourself this morning, where's the fault in my life right now? It's a good question I ask every day, you know. You don't just have to ask it on Sunday. I just challenge you now. It's a good time to ask yourself that. Where's the glitch in my heart? Where's the blindness in my eyes? Where's the weakness? Where's my weakness? It needs strengthening. What is it? What is it right now that I need? Have I asked? Have I actually asked God? What has hurt me and I've not forgiven? What has hurt me and I've not asked for healing? What has thrown me and hit me for a six and I feel like I'm beaten and I can't get up? But I need to get up. Where is it that I'm weak? Where is it that I'm suspect of sin? I don't desire to sin, but I want to be pure, amen? I want to be holy before a holy God. I want to fight. I want to fight for righteousness. I want to defend the faith. I want to be kind. I don't want to just be compatible. I want to be kind. I want to be sincerely loving, not just in words, but actually sincerely loving, just as Jesus did where he threw out his arms and he died for you. I'll love if it's going to cost me a death, a death of myself, a death of who I am. I'm going to love that way. I'm going to understand more of God. All these things prove that we're on a greater journey in the kingdom of heaven. Father, right now, I pray that you would, Lord, just work and touch hearts right now. Lord, where, where, there's, where there's weakness, I pray you'd lift them up. If anyone's feeling weak right now, just raise their hand. If you're feeling weak, if you're feeling weak, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you, for those that are feeling weak. Anyone else feeling weak right now? Lord, I pray, God, Father, that you would give strength, Lord, 
to those people there that have raised their hand right now. Father, I pray, God, that there'd be an inner strength from your word, Father. Lord, that they would realize that they have some strength and grace that you can give. God, I pray you would give that grace and that strength right now. Father, that they, in their weakness, they would find a way where they can be stronger. Father, give them, uh, Lord, your righteousness, which shows them and gives them understanding. Right now, Jesus. If anyone here this morning, you can put your hand down now. If anyone here feels that they're in sin right now and that they want to confess it, just be prepared to raise your hand. Don't be scared. Anyone here this morning feels they're in sin and they want to just confess it? Anyone else? Just confess that sin, will you? Come before God and ask him to just wash that away. I'm going to walk in purity. Just say in your heart, I'm going to walk in purity. Okay, I'm going to walk to a greater degree closer to you, Jesus. I'm going to deal with that sin. Lord, I pray you give understanding. Reveal that more, God. If there's folk here that that they're not proving themselves spiritually, that are not proving themselves in the faith, this morning you can. This morning you can say, I'm going to let my heart change. I'm going to draw closer to someone who is proven. Paul challenges right there in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, I beg you to partner with God. But he's also begging them to partner with him. If you are at that place where you're not proving yourself, the best place you can go to this morning is to partner with someone that has proven. Stick closer to them than a brother or a sister. They're proven. You're not. It's okay. We all go through those places where some of us aren't proven. Lord, for the weak, for the ones that have sinned, for the ones that haven't been proven, We lift them up right now. God, and we ask that their journey would be one. God, where you would show them something totally new this morning, totally clear, totally revealing of who you are and what you want. That you would give them the sword in the right hand, which is one of authority. They wouldn't back down. They wouldn't back out. They wouldn't always be on the defense. They would always be on the attack. They would attack because you, and yield that sword. The word of God is their strength. The word of God can cut through to the innermost heart and desire. And to, to, it can expose every thought and content of heart. And so, Jesus, this morning, we pray that they would take up the sword of the Spirit. They would take it up and that they would fight you. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen? Amen. Amen.